0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 926, air date April 6th, 2021.
1: To the United States of America would be by fully implementing the Paris Climate Accords and why uh, Donald Trump was correct in getting us out. Uh, please talk about that.
0: Well, I think, uh, Dan, uh, hopefully you can hear me all right. I think the first thing to understand is um, you know, the broader nature of climate systems. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a systems guy and I have a bunch of degrees from MIT in engineering systems. And one of the things you understand is engineering systems problems are very, very difficult to solve. Um, especially when you're dealing with what, what are called complex systems. So if you look at the climate as frankly, a complex system, and in fact, it's very important to understand that if you just step back, you have two turbulent fluids that are interacting together. One is the ocean, which is moving at a certain time scale of, um, uh, you know, years, decades, meaning changes that take place, millennia sometimes, right? So it's a very long time scale, as we say in systems theory. The other uh, time scale that you have, the other fluid that you have is called the atmosphere. All right. So you have these very two complex fluids, turbulent fluids, And by the way, you can win a million dollars, a millennial award, I think it's called, if you solve the Navier-Stokes equations for just a turbulent fluid. It's an unsolved problem, all right? So when you look at the climate system, it's a very, very complex system. And look, I've been dealing with complex modeling most of my life, back from modeling sleep systems when I was a 14-year-old kid. My master's work looking at computational waves and different kinds of media. It's what I do for a living. But um The just modeling one turbulent fluid is known as an impossible problem today. So when you look at something as complex as the climate, you have two turbulent fluids which are interacting. And why is this important? Well, if you think about the Earth here and the sun here, the sun is around 5000 degrees Kelvin and it radiates. Right. It's sending out radiation, which hits the Earth about three hundred and forty watts per meter. Okay, Tremendous amount of energy. Hundred of that bounces off the Earth's atmosphere, so that 140 of that, which means the Earth is getting 200 watts per meter coming in, right? So, in order, basic accounting, it's got to get rid of that, otherwise the Earth is going to burn up, right? So, what does it do to get rid of that radiation? Well, think about the Earth, the surface of the Earth having a certain temperature, no different than a frying pan that you would put on, you know, uh, uh, on your stove, and you put water on it. What happens when the water boils? It goes off, right? through convection. So what the Earth tries to do, the Earth has a certain temperature, which um, people said was around 15 degrees, all right? And that problem, that's the bottom line. So uh, I think Jim Hansen, the guy at NASA, I think before 2000 or before 1997, they had said that the average surface temperature of the Earth was 15 degrees. Well, around late 90s, early 2000, the temperature of the earth was not, in fact, the temperature of the earth was going down. So in a footnote, I believe, to a New York Times article, they changed, overnight, they changed the average surface temperature of the earth to 14 degrees. So 14 became the new 15. There's an article written by Arvind Kumar, and he brings this out, all right? So that's what happened. So the entire basis of all of this is why is this going on, right? Right? And more importantly, what we've done is we've taken a very complex system and we've reduced it. The key word is the word reduce called reductionism to one variable. We call it carbon, CO2. And and by the way, this is what's happening with the sciences all around the world. We take a very complex system like the immune system and we reduce it to one variable antibodies. So if you have X amount of antibodies, you're fine. You're in good shape. So this is what happens with fake science today. And unfortunately, fake science, meaning the science of reductionism. You take a very complex system, you just take one little piece of it, and then you say, oh, that is a measure of success or failure, which is CO2, okay? So that's what they've done. So you take on on a model that's very, very hard to compute, first of all, now, If you look at this model, this very complex model, why would you do this? Right. What's what's the intention of doing this? Right. And you find out that when you look at and you step back a little bit and you understand that the basis of the climate, quote, unquote, change concept goes all the way back, I think, to the uh, 1980s. Right. When Al Gore wrote his book. Right. And he was actually blaming, I think he was blaming Nazism or something, he was blaming um, something else for climate change, okay? Anything you could grapple on, you know, because everything is a couple of degrees of freedom away. So what you have is you have the intention of choosing a single variable to model this very complex phenomenon. Now, if you look at the climate change models that the IPCC put out, even in 2018, right? when, When the last one came out, the report, and you actually read it if you actually go spend time reading it you'll find out that when you look at their models prediction of ice melting uh, in the arctic there's not just one prediction there's 21 predictions now in science what is evidence evidence is unambiguous predictions i'll repeat that for a scientist in the field i'm in in modeling and computational modeling it's unambiguous predictions if your model unambiguously predicts the answer. That's called evidence, okay? Otherwise, your model is just garbage. But if you look at the models that they have in the IPCC report, there's actually not just one prediction of climate change. There's 21. if you look, you would think they would all be nearby, right? Okay, I don't know, 20% are going to melt or 30%. There are like the Baskin-Robbins ice cream flavor. There's 21 different predictions. One says all of the ice caps are going to melt 100%. Another one says none will melt. And there's variations all the way between. So, you know, it's basically, they threw a bunch of darts at a dartboard and they got a bunch of answers. That is not called science. That's called indeterminacy. This would be no different than if you took Newton's model of, of, you know, an apple falling from a tree. Let's imagine one model predicts that it'll hit the ground. Another model predicts it'll hang two feet above the ground. Another model predicts four feet. Another model predicts it won't even fall, right? You have many, many different predictions. That is not a model that's not science. And this is in the IPCC report. And most scientists in academia know this is garbage, but they won't say anything. And that gets into the economics of this. The economics is starting in 1971 with the passage of the Mansfield Amendment or the late early 70s. Science became highly politicized because prior to that, there was a little bit of fun. uh, uh, If you looked at the entire military budget, which is massive, there was a little sliver of it for basic research. Well, that sliver was a lot of money still because the military budget was so big. And that sliver was given to do some, I mean, it's not. It's a sort of an irony that the military had this basic research budget, but they gave it freely to do all sorts of basic research to the best guys in the world. And they weren't under any thumb to you know, file grants, et cetera. But in, uh, after the Vietnam War, that little sliver, They said, we can't, uh, the military should not be funding any basic research, only if it was for weapons. So that little budget went under two major organizations, the NSF, okay, and the NIH, parts of it. So which meant that science became, and those two are highly political organizations, highly, highly political. So it's no longer, you know, you had this great, you know, remember prior to the 1950s, 40s, there was all sorts of contests, people would do wild research. But starting in 1970, science became highly consolidated. It became really an industry. Um, People like Eisenhower saw this coming. You know, that's why he called it the military-industrial complex. In fact, his original uh, speech said military-industrial-academic complex. Jay Stratton, who was a science advisor, president of MIT, removed the word academic for, you know, obvious. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. The person who used military-industrial-academic complex was uh, William Fulbright. In a a speech that he gave in 1971 or something like this. Okay, But the fundamental issue here is that the science became highly, highly politicized. The NIH became highly politicized. Biological sciences. All of these sciences became very politicized. So at MIT gets around 20 to 40 million dollars for climate change research. So anything you put. So if you're a young academic. And you need money to get you have seven years, by the way, to get tenure. Right. Let's say you join as a, new, a newly minted Ph.D. at MIT or Harvard or any of these big institutions. You have seven years to publish your papers, you know, get good citations and get tenure, which means you have a job for life. So how do you get tenure? Well, you have to, first of all, bring in money so you can fund graduate students to do your research. Right. You're running a little a little cottage industry there. Well, how do you get grants? Well, you have to sniff out money and you have to figure out where it's coming from. So today the science by and large has become highly mediocre. You get rid of all the really radical thinking guys because they're probably gonna think radically around politics too, right? They're just not in science. And you bring in mediocre people who are chasing the almighty dollar. So now you ha- in the biological sciences, you have Fauci and Francis Collins who control the NIH fund flow. That's why you have a very restrictive thinking around any type of things around immunity or immunology. And same thing with this area of climate change. So follow the money. I keep saying everyone should just follow the money. The money in science dictates policy so you get the, you get results that you want. So they have taken this very complex thing called the climate and saying we must reduce this one little variable called CO2. Okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Based on the reduction of that, we're going to solve the world's problems, all problems. So this is the same thing they've done with the current issue with the immune system. Antibodies, antibodies, antibodies. Forget everything else, right? So this is called reductionism. So who does that serve? Well, if you step back, I did a video, I think, a couple of years ago, which went viral. I think it's got probably like 30, 40 million views on it now, where literally in 17 minutes, I explained the entire climate change industry. And I basically... Uh, took it from left to right, if you see it on the board, and I said, okay, here's what's going on today. You're a business and you run a company or you run some business. You're polluting something. Everyone's polluting some amount of pollution, right? Well, what happens today? You, 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 you You spend a certain amount of money for running your business. You're polluting something. You charge certain for your products and people pay you money, right? That's today. Now, in 2030, what happens? Well, you're still running your business. You're polluting something. Um, And you have to, um, you know, you're producing products. But this time in 2030, there's going to be something a little bit different. In 2030, what happens is when you pollute, okay, you have until 2030 to keep polluting. But after 2030, you're going to buy what's called carbon credits to offset your pollution. And that purchase of those carbon credits, which will be cost to you because there's a limited number of carbon credits, right? Right. And so what are carbon credit? Carbon credits basically says, we're gonna allow you to pollute, but in order to offset your pollution, you're gonna to have to buy credits from people who are non-polluting, right? To offset your pollution. So in 2017, was it 2018 at that time, before Trump pulled out 2017, China by way of example, was polluting 11 billion metric tons of carbon, 11 billion metric tons of carbon. I think in India around 2 billion. Okay. by 2030, and everyone should listen to this very carefully, the Paris Accords allows you, allows China to double their pollution. Let me repeat that. The Paris Accords allows China to go from 11 billion metric tons of carbon to 22 billion metric tons of carbon up until 2030. The number one cause of death globally is lung disease, COPD. Number one cause. So China is allowed to double. They already have bad smog in China. They're allowed to double it. After 2030, China will have to buy these carbon credits. Okay. Now, in 2017, when Trump pulled out of the Accords, the Democrats and Republican had were getting ready to fund what was called a green fund, a hundred billion dollar green fund. Sounds like a great name. Green fund. Okay. What was that for? Well, the Green Fund, if you actually explore it, was going to be given to all of these countries. And if you actually follow it, it was basically a corruption fund. That money was going to be given to consultants and the health minister or the environmental ministers in every all these countries, because a lot of these countries did not want to join the Paris Accords. If you go, they they were unwilling to join. They're like, wait a minute, we're going to have to pay all this money. We're going to have to buy carbon tax credits. They didn't want to do it. So you look at Jairam Ramesh, who was the, you know, the one of the ministers in India, he at that point was saying, oh, everything's fine with the Himalayas. Nothing is there's no ice, um, you know, caps melting. And what came out in WikiLeaks was that he was actually very thankful to John Podesta for the Green Fund, because then suddenly he changes his tune and he says, oh, my God, the ice caps are melting on the Himalayas. So all of these ministers and consultants in all these countries, that green fund was going to be a a corruption scheme. They would get paid. You know how this works, right? They give money to some and and somehow their job was to convince the prime ministers of their countries. Yes, we must enter the Paris Accords. And that's what that money was for. And that's what Trump got the United States out of. He cut the ties to that green fund. But starting in 2030, what's going to happen? Well, there's a limited set of carbon credits, which are, you know, exchange, right? On the commodities market. I believe, and we should verify this, this was many years ago, Al Gore was on the board of the company, one of the Mm -hmm. one or two companies which owns a software to track all the carbon credits. And they take a little piece of it. They get a licensing fee. And at one point, I think Gore actually owned a lot of the carbon credits. So now if you think about it, that if you have a limited number of carbon credits and you're going to have to buy carbon credits to offset your pollution, what's going to happen to the price of an individual carbon credit? It's going to explode in price. So those people who own those carbon
1: credits are going to become trillionaires. So Shiva, I I, I want to mention to you, I just know a little bit about this. Uh, Shore Bank uh, was created uh, with funding from the Joyce Foundation, which Obama was actually the head uh, director of the Joyce Foundation at the time, uh, they created an organization called Shore Bank that was It was created to trade in carbon credits. I knew one of the guys that helped Gore come up with this uh, carbon credit plan. Uh, his name was Ted Dodge. He actually came up with part of the plan that he gave to Gore. The Clintons and the Gores and the and uh, I believe that Biden was connected to it as well as the Obamas were all part of the Shore Bank organization that was put together just to trade carbon credits.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I think people should just understand something very, very simple. Um, if you look at a lot of the elites, they're all buying homes on beautiful se- seashore property, right, right on the shores. Obama just bought, I believe, a 15 million dollar home in Martha's Vineyard. This is just a month ago. I mean, a couple of months ago. So if they are so concerned about, you know, the the waters rising and the ice caps melting, why would you go buy property, you know, inches or feet from the ocean?
1: Right.
0: So I think what needs to happen, Dan, is my view is if we take a systems approach, which is what I teach people, you know, We just had a big class yesterday, about 100 people on. The only way forward is people not to get involved in these wacky conspiracy theories, but take a systems approach and directly connect it to economics. So when you really step back and look at it, the economics of this is quite simple. You need academia to write stuff. okay, and that quote unquote science is then regurgitated by the mainstream media who basically most of these guys don't even do any research anymore and then it becomes fossilized on Wikipedia because Wikipedia is all about citations. Remember, Wikipedia says they're not about truth. You can say Dan beats his dog and I could write an article over here that says Dan beats his dog and Wikipedia can reference that and says yes, Dan beats his dog when that article may have been completely bogus. So what they've done is a racketeering that's done, it's almost a RICO enterprise, is that you have you pay academics, you incent them to take a reductionist view of some topic like climate change. They write papers because they're getting funded, they get their tenure on that issue. Journalists then simply do the self-referral. So that shows up in a popular article. And then Wikipedia says, yes, this is happening. So this is the a media dynamics. <coughs> I wrote a white paper on this many years ago, because it occurred to me when, with the invention of email, you know. The facts are I invented email as a 14 year old kid. It was done before I came to MIT, when I converted the old fashioned interoffice mail system, named it email, have the first copyright, never spoke about it, Dan. The day it went into the Smithsonian in, 19, in 2011, Time Magazine wrote a beautiful article saying the man who invented email. My mom had died. All the artifacts went into the Smithsonian. And on February 16, 2012, a, we, um, a Washington Post reporter wrote a very glowing article saying Shiva very honored as the inventor of email. But that's what triggered all of these liberal elites who had written the false narrative of email that it came out of the military doing simple text messaging, that's not email. But the problem was that I had all the data and all the facts, Wikipedia just kept referring to them and still does. So the issue with the invention of email, what's related to this is from a scientific, from an innovation standpoint, email was not invented at MIT. It wasn't invented at Silicon Valley. It was invented by a 14 year old kid in Newark, New Jersey where nothing is supposed to come out of. You see, so the entire goal here is to centralize innovation, centralize science. And that is a weapon, centralization, that people in power can use so they can call upon their favors as they need to get the science they need. That's the inconvenient truth. The inconvenient truth is they make it very convenient to get the truth that you need, you know? Um, So it's not- It's
1: it's amazing, anybody that doesn't believe uh, what Dr. Shiva saying, please read, Ein uh, Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Uh, the, uh, the scientific community in there did exactly that. Uh, this is happening. It's been happening for a long time. You're, you're 100% spot on with saying that it's all about the money. Just follow the money. Yeah, Dan.
0: I mean, when I, when I look back at the invention of email, sorry, sorry, a friend of mine who used to run business insider, Kevin Ryan, he said, Shiva, He's a publisher, but he goes, Shiva, the story of the invention of email, there's no doubt you created email. You wrote all the code. It's here. You named an email and you have the copyright at a time when copyright was the only. What the, the real question is, why was there even a controversy? And this is the heart of the issue. The reason they created a controversy was because if email got created in Newark, New Jersey, if TV got created by uh, Philo Farnsworth in Franklin, Idaho, if it was a Michigan mechanic who created control system, theory, which he did, right? Not MIT. This basically um, removes a very powerful lever that elites have to control science and innovation. This is what they fear, because the truth is innovation and in science is in everyone's DNA. It can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. And so therefore, they have to restrict science and innovation. That's why they put so much effort into creating brands, right? Like MIT, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, et cetera. And the problem they have with someone like me is, I got all their training, but I have the experience to know that I didn't need to go to MIT to invent anything. I, I I was capable of doing that even before I came, and that is true with science also. So that's why I I think you know we've talked about the issue here. It's a problem here is when you look at the climate issue, it is uh, it is a one instance, and I think this is where people need to learn. This is this occurs in every field is it's, an, it's, it's a very powerful way to understand that you can take a very complex scientific system, you can pass that scientific system onto experts who can now localize, falsely localize a problem to one variable called reductionism, not a systems approach, and then get the answer that they need. In 1962, John Kennedy gave a very famous speech, and not a very famous speech, it was a speech, sorry, it was probably a speech that should have been famous, to the National Academy of Sciences. I came across this about a couple of years ago. And it's interesting. He's, he's saying, you know, here is where we have the conundrum in democracy right now. And the conundrum we have is that, you know, millions of people, I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said, elect, you know, elected leaders. Most elected leaders are not scientists, they're not engineers. They can't even think pretty much about anything because they're typically lawyers, right? Um, or, some, somebody, right, who just got money to get elected or manipulated the election system. When they get into office, and Kennedy was being in some ways uh, much more honest, and he was giving this speech to 2,500 scientists at the National Academy of Sciences, he goes, the conundrum is, I rely on you now, a small set of people, not 50 million people elected him, but 2,500 people, or even less, five people, five university presidents, to tell him what to do on a complex system, climate. Weapon systems, transportation, because these systems have become so complex. So we take a lot of complexity and we go to two people who decide public policy for the rest of 50 million, 100 million, 200, a billion people. That's what's happening. So this is what pe- the decision making of the trajectory of society is not being determined by the public. It's being determined by two or three people, literally, who advise a Senate judiciary panel or a, you know, Senate subcommittee or House subcommittee, what to do? And where are they getting their information from, right? Well, and what is the motivation for their ideas, right? And and what Kennedy was saying, this is a conundrum we have with democracy. The only way out of this, Dan, is the solution that I've come up with, with all humility, which is we need to train the broad mass of people on a systems approach to science. And so, you know, every Monday's we, you know, this is a when I looked at, you know, growing up in India, my grandmother practiced a traditional system of medicine known as siddha. Completely different system. She could look at your face, she could predict your particular constitution, then she'd figure out what's right for you. Now, the average Western are looking at this saying this is garbage, a snake oil. So my journey, and I also grew up in a caste system where we were considered low-caste untouchables, right? So I was very interested in systems. So my journey to the United States as a seven-year-old kid. Was to understand complex systems in and out of MIT. And it was only in 2003 when I came back to medicine because there was a field called systems biology that created, got created. Why? Ironically, because the old model of understanding biology was this reductionist model, which was just looking at the parts of something. They said, oh, human beings and, and, and are more complex because we must have more genes. A worm had 20,000. When the genome project ended, it turned out we only have 20,000 genes. That flipped biology on its head because a reductionist, a reductionist approach to biology was proven to be false. You can't look at a system based on the number of items it has. You have to look at the interconnections. How does the ocean react with the atmosphere? How do the clouds react with all? The, I mean, it gets, it gets, gets quite complex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking that systems approach, you take one variable. That's what happened in biology. So, I came back in two thousand and three spent five years creating a technology called cytosol where we could model complex biological phenomenon on the computer using a systems approach that led me back to India when I discovered was the Indian system of medicine was not a system of medicine it was actually an engineering system of principles that matched one to one with the principles of engineering system theory that was created in the 1930s. So what I've started doing is to educate. I can educate any layman. You don't have to have any degrees. You can be like my grandmother, or you can be a school teacher. You can be a PhD at MIT. And I've started educating people in three hours to understand the systems approach. And they can use these fundamental, it's, it's, it's a technology. It's a science. They can use it to understand their body as a system. They can use it to understand climate as a system. They can use it to understand their computer as a system. They can use it to understand electronic voting machines as a system. They can use it to understand the political system as a system. And that is a foundational knowledge. And with that knowledge, they can now understand three principles. One is that we need to build a bottoms-up movement. Forget Republicans, forget Democrats, forget left, forget right, forget Trump, forget Bernie, forget all these guys. The history of human activity and change has always come from Working people building a bottoms up movement, bottoms up, and whenever you suppress that bottoms up nature, people decentrally build something that's the way you have power, and that's what's happened in academia. We've centralized things. Second thing is the establishment is very, very, very clever at creating the, the not so obvious version of itself, no different than the Pharisees were to the Sadducees. Okay, I gave a talk on this, right. Mm-hmm. That they're very clever, always creating people who talk a good game. This happens in every field. But the reality is they don't go at the heart of the real systems issue. They just talk around the issue and never act. But most importantly, the interrelation between freedom, why we must have freedom, because freedom is the raw material which allows us to do real science. And when you suppress freedom, you have censorship. You don't do science. You don't practice a scientific method. You practice scientific consensus. So what do they say? Yes, there is a consensus now that the oceans are rising. It's not true. There's a consensus, the oceans are getting more sitting. I was in Andover, Massachusetts, a very elite community in a library, 150 people had come, they had invited a professor from BU to give a talk on climate change. And these are all your highly educated liberal elites, what I call the uneduc- vulnerable uneducated elites. So they're sitting in this room in a library and this professor gets up, who probably got tons of money to, to fund a center, and he says the oceans are getting more acidic. So in the middle of the talk, I said, really? I said, can you tell me the pH of the oceans? He goes, "Uh, uh, uh well, I mean, they're getting less basic. I said, the oceans can never be acidic. OK, because if you take a bunch of salt water, you know, you'd have to mm-hmm. you, you, you'd have to drop you, you can't get it acidic. So he said, no, 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 no. Uh, I meant to say they're getting less basic. Well, I said, what's the pH? He didn't want to answer that. So they cut me off. Anyway, the talk goes on, 150 people. And the end of it, he goes, and the ocean levels are rising. And I go, that is absolutely false. They call the police, Dan. (laughs) The Andover police had to come and the whole meeting was shut down. It's all on video.
1: That's amazing. So
0: this is... You know, and this is a liberal community where Black Lives Matter. And I was the only dark skinned guy there who was raising questions. I mean, it, it, the contradictions are quite profound. The only guy, probably with four degrees from MIT, who studied uh, the physics of it. Most so mm-hmm. importantly, what people need to understand there is no field called climate change. There's no field called climate science. It's nonsense, it doesn't exist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is no field, it's a made up field. The real issue is if you want to the people who actually know climate are applied mathematicians who must have two skill sets, either fluid mechanics and fluid dynamics or radiative physics. Because what you're looking at is a complex system of fluids, two interacting fluids, the ocean, a liquid fluid and gases, another kind of fluid, right, which is the atmosphere. And then the fact that radiative physics is going and got all these chemicals, the sun hits it and how they radiate. Move particles. That's really quote unquote climate science. But there is no field. So over overnight you have a bunch of people who've become climate scientists. It doesn't exist a field.
1: Right, right. Well, environmental engineering and and these kind of uh, degrees that don't have a whole lot to do with science. Dr. Shiva, I hate to say this, but we really are out of time. We've run Okay, sorry now.
0: about that. Sorry I was late, Dan
1: well I'll tell you what let's uh, let's try to get you back on again because I want to give you your full time you do a fascinating job of explaining all this incidentally talk a little bit about your program to teach people systems engineering and yeah so
0: doing. yeah I don't want to leave this without doing a big it's not even a pitch look um, I'm a solutions guy the issue is we can talk about the fact how the elites are affecting us in every area, not even the elites, it's people who wanna just make who want power, profit, and control. The only way forward is truth, freedom, and health. Look, I ran for Senate. Uh, people want me to run again for another office. We're the ones in Massachusetts who exposed. We have two winning lawsuits right now, the only two lawsuits in the election fraud area that have survived dismissal in court with a federal judge. And in fact, today we're gonna to be filing another, the judge also wants us to bring in Twitter into this, all right? But the bottom line is, why is it that all of Trump's lawsuits failed, every single one of them? And why is it I, who have no law degree, am winning two lawsuits right now in federal court? The reason is-
1: Representing yourself.
0: Representing myself. Not one penny we've played. By the way, these lawyers will probably screw it up because they're too much involved in the swamp. They don't want to win. Trump didn't want to win. I'm sorry. He was surrounded by people who didn't want to win. So the bottom line is this. The only way forward I repeat over and over again is for working people, people actually work, not people who live off other people's labor. People actually work to rise up and build a conscious bottoms up movement. But that movement cannot be built just on passion. It's not gonna be just built on quote unquote patriotism. It has to be built on understanding the physics of change. And And those principles, those physics are directly the same principles that run your body that run the universe. And that's called system science. So every Monday nights, you know, I, I do a three-hour course. Um, we, if people go to VA, Victor Alpha, VASHiva.com. And when people go to VASHiva.com on that site, they can literally support our movement. We are, everything we do, it has three parts to it. Education, building community, and activism. So the education is, we want people to be serious. You, you can go onto our website, VA Shiva. You can go to the vashiva.com slash join. You can just sign up as a member. You get access to a forum independent of big tech. You can start conversing with people, building friends all over the world. But then if you want, people said, Shiva, we want to give you money. If they want to give me money, I give them back education. That's what my grandparents taught me. We give them a book called System and Revolution, which teaches them an MIT two to three year control systems course in 108 pages. And then we give them a tool, they can understand their body as a system. They can use it for their health, but more importantly, they're gonna understand how systems principles work. Then other people, we wanna create an army of 50,000 truth, freedom and health warriors by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Those people are gonna be system scientists trained by me, an MIT PhD. They're gonna get the knowledge of systems. Then we don't just don't want them to be scholars, we want them to build community among other warriors, truth, freedom, and health warriors, And then we're giving them things to do on the ground. So on the election issue, you know, forget lawyers. We have people directly going on the ground and going to their town clerks, getting data. And we're in all the counties, we're building up to get this data and we're going to share it with the public. And there's going to be more lawsuits coming. Second is on any one of these issues on health. People are educating people. Look, masks are going to hurt your oral microbiome. The issue with the inoculations and the jabs is not about public health. It's really about we need to focus on boosting immunity. All right, so everything we do is taking science, legal and educating people. And this is not gonna happen overnight. A politician is not gonna do this. The entire political system is selections. It is not elections. As long as we have these electronic voting machines, it's all nonsense. We need to go back to hand counted paper ballots, Reported at the precinct level, and that's the technologist telling people that the guy who invented email is telling you that we need to get rid of electronic voting machines. Period. Absolutely. They're they're unnecessary. They're not needed.
1: So, well, Doctor Shiva, I I, uh, I have to thank you for joining us. Uh, fascinating. We need to get you back on when we can give you more time to develop these ideas. But you're absolutely right. Everything that you're telling our listeners is 100% spot on. Um, Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate this and we'll get you back on. Uh, Gertz, I'm sorry that we kind of ran into your time a little bit, but uh, we appreciate you allowing that. And uh, with that, I ask
0: so hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Idre. That was a, a talk I did with Dan. Um, basically, Dan had wanted me to come on to really talk about the issue of climate as a system. And what I wanted to share with everyone was, if you guys can go online, if you go, uh, you'll see a a video that I did talking about the entire climate system. It's done on a, a blackboard. In 15 minutes, you can understand the entire climate system. Um, I also want, you know, as I spoke with Dan, one of the most important things people I need to understand is that nothing is going to change in this world without educational uh, understanding of how systems work. Otherwise people will be keeping making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Okay. Um, it's just the nature of things, you know, um, imagine people just trying to uh, fly. Right. And you didn't know, understand Bernoulli's principle. You try this and you try that and you keep failing and failing and failing. Finally, people understand the scientific principles of flight. And people get the kitty hawk off, you know, 12 seconds. And then we build Boeing 747s and we go to space because we started understanding scientific principles. The elites do not want you to understand scientific principles. They want you to, you know, chase a Republican, chase a Democrat, chase a Trump, chase a Bernie, chase left and right, chase pro and anti. They do not want you to stand up on your own two feet and understand principles. But when you learn to fish, you know, you don't you you can go fend for yourself. If you learn to become an electrician, you understand the principles of electricity. Same with plumbing, you understand fluid mechanics and so on, or an engineer. I'm here to educate you on systems principles so you can free yourself. And that's the most valuable thing I can offer. And we built that at VAShiva.com. So when you go to vashiva.com/slash join. You can support our movement. You can give as much money as you want because we're building our own infrastructure. But when you support us, I give you back education. That is what makes sense to me. I don't want to take people's money for nothing. We're not politicians who just say, give me money, give me money, put you on recurring bills and take your money. We want The recurring thing we want you to have happen is for you to learn knowledge, go on the ground, and build a movement. But that movement will only be successful if it is based on scientific principles that is called system science. So I encourage everyone to go to com slash warrior and become a warrior for truth, freedom, and health. We need to build a movement. Uh, I personally educate people. We do it in our private classes online. So I welcome all of you to take advantage of that. You get access to books and knowledge. We've created our own uh, capability where you can go online and you can connect with other people independent of big tech. But it's important that all of you Support yourselves by getting the knowledge you need and deserve. Okay, thank you, everyone. I'll be back tonight. I think we're going to be talking about onions and how onions affect the immune system. Okay, uh, but you'll understand whether it's studying onions. Uh, someone said, What if we have issues signing up? You can email me. Email me at Vashiva. I'll put my email address, Vashiva at Vashiva.com, and I'll get back to you. Okay. And by the way, uh, someone's asking how do you sign up? Well, you simply go, let me share it my screen. You simply can go here. You can go to uh, vashiva.com slash join. Okay. Oops. Oops, I got to vashiva.com. Go there. So, if everyone goes to vaashiva.com, you'll notice there's a link right here called "Join," and when you click on "Join," you can um, join in various ways, and and uh, you can just contribute. You can become a warrior for those who contribute 100 or more. You can just become a supporter. I give you the uh, best-selling book, System and Revolution, and the tool, Your Body, Your System, or you can just join for nothing and just become a member. But I want all of you to become warriors, because this is an education, it's a priceless education. You can't get it anywhere else. And let me finish up with the video so all of you understand what this is about. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within, and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves, because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them. That you don't deserve the freedoms you have they don't this reality is what people need to wake up to and we need to all unite working people there's only one movement that can do that and that is the movement that we started creating here in massachusetts the movement for truth freedom and health look i've been a student of politics since i was a four-year-old kid studying revolutionary movements left wing right wing there's a physics there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment to build a bridge you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution, and that's why I put this together. My goal is to train an army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. we wow. got to train people. First, with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, Freedom and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems, and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is, it has to be bottoms up working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up, we need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with is a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth. And then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, You don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, forget celebrities. You've got to learn politics and there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment which are those people who claim they're for you. On the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlson's. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're gonna follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders, oh, he said something, or Robert Kennedy, scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right-wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own, quote unquote, people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to bashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics and I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within half an hour, an hour, I can teach people two years of MIT control systems. I teach people those concepts Then I apply it. Anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I got to build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. The Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on V is in Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they want to take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there, but we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to V.A. Shiva, Victory America Shiva, vashiva.com. All right, everyone. Thank you. But please take time to become a warrior. Uh, It's through your deciding to get education. We build a movement and that's what we're doing. This is not about building a political party. We want to build an educated movement bottoms up, but it will not occur unless we raise people's consciousness uh, politically, uh, economically, financially, uh, spiritually, by understanding the interconnectedness of things and that there is a science to doing this. And that's what we're doing so and there's a science to it and it takes a little bit of work to do it it takes a little bit of investment of time and commitment and resources but it's here it's a priceless educational uh platform that we built at b Shiva. it's also an opportunity for you to connect with other people independent of big tech and also to learn not to just have connections and not to just to learn education but you must act locally and we put together actual activities that you can do so you can make, you know, flesh out of uh, ideas. You know, that's what this is about. So it's about education, building community and acting without action. There is nothing. <laughs> so anyway, I hope you guys do this. I uh, I look forward to seeing you guys uh, Monday evenings when I do it. And I'll be doing a bunch of uh, talks uh, today and, and over this week. All right. Thank you, everyone. Be well.